Listener Production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. Well, we know retail media is running white hot, but there's an important part of the retail media picture that's been missing. Much bigger, broader umbrella category that brands have been doing for a long time and is now starting to get some serious attention and sophistication. It's known as owned media, and according to the just-released owned media market report and rankings for the 24 financial year, it's a sector worth $4.3 billion in potential commercial value to brand owners and is up 10% year-on-year. Retail media, although getting lots of industry attention, represents only a third of that $4.3 billion owned media category. In the past 12 months, we've seen significant focus from blue-chip brands like Combank, ANZ, and Telstra to invest in their owned media assets. Combank, for instance, launched its own magazine this year. Yes, a printed version. And Telstra has been investing in its retail store assets to commercialise marketing opportunities for handset suppliers, while the likes of David Jones is opening up its storefront window displays to brands that may not even be stocked by the department store. And there's a whole lot more going on in email, apps and websites beyond retailer media. It's getting very, very interesting. Specialist-owned media valuation firm Sonder produces the annual owned media market report and rankings, which, as far as I can tell, is the only comprehensive data available on the category. So we're going to run through some of this year's market numbers and market movers. The finance sector, for example, tops the growth leaderboard with a 19% increase in commercial potential, while travel and tourism is back 7%. So joining co-founders at Sonder, Jonathan Hopkins and Angus Fraser, is Mike Conahan, News Corp's Managing Director of Commercial Content, Think Qantas and Coles magazines as a start point. Mike is seeing a positively bustling wave of investment by brands into content for their own media assets. But enough from me, let's get an update on this whole sector and what's happening. It's moving quite quickly. Jonathan, to you first, let's start with the top line, shall we? Define own media for us, and you've done some qualitative research with CMOs this year, they've hit an aha moment on owned media. What do you mean by aha? But first, define owned media for us, Jonathan, and welcome back. Thanks, Paul. Great to be on the mics again. So first of all, defining owned media. Well, for us, owned media spans the vast array of channels and formats that an organization controls and communicates through. So we're talking stores, branches, websites, apps, emails, and so on. Most businesses use these channels for their own marketing and commercialize them with brand partners in some way, be that indirect or direct revenue. So the aha moment that's come out of our report and the research we commissioned is partly due to this hype around retail media and the grocery sector, and partly due to increased pressure on marketing budgets and uh, ROAS. So we commissioned this independent research with 12 CMOs from retail, liquor, finance, utilities, home improvement, entertainment, and education sectors. And the overwhelming sentiment was, we get it now. So one of the, one of the CMOs, for example, went so far as to say, own media is our unique differentiator. So what's on. happened there, Jonathan, though? So when they say, when that response came through, we get it now, what are they getting? 
So I think the opportunity for leverage and the different use cases are much clearer than they were a year ago. One marketer put it as using own media is now how you communicate smarter. It's a lot easier to get a customer to come back than gain a new customer. So they're realizing what they've been doing for a while has actually got tremendous value. But the other driver we've seen is that suppliers are getting trained to expect more. So the data smarts that are demonstrated by the likes of Cartology is training. Which is Woolworth's um, retailer media unit, right? Just for those that may not know, but I doubt that anyone wouldn't. Yes, exactly. Woolworth's um, media business. So they're training supplier brands to expect more from own media sellers. So for example, when L'Oreal see what targeting and reporting they're getting from Woolworths, they'll expect that from both pharmacies and department stores where they range their products as well. So in summary, I guess with marketers, the aha moment is that marketers are now getting that leveraging own media channels can save them money on their paid media investments, and it can retain and attract customers that can be leveraged for indirect or direct revenue. So something that saves you money and generates you money, that's pretty compelling. Mike, uh, maybe we just jump in with you first. You're seeing, I think, some serious uptick too in your business. Um, Maybe a quick refresher first on the work your unit at News Corp does and then what you're seeing from brands doing content for their own channels, uh, which I guess was once the primary domain of of media companies doing content and people tackling their audiences, changing around a little bit, right? Welcome, Mike. Yeah, look, I think, thanks, Paul, and uh, hello, guys. Uh, Look, I'll concentrate on on my area of um, what we call commercial content in the agency space. So we've got three agencies, um, medium rare, suddenly and storyation, who all I call uh, sort of off campus, and they're they're working with clients directly in their own channels with their content, but at the same time in creating that content and engaging with their audiences, and be that within their own channels or in, in other channels. What we're doing more and more is helping those clients not only create that engaged audience, but help them monetize those channels. And when you think about, you know, that the the strategic value of that retail media audience, you know, they're they're there with their eyes and their wallets open. There's high dwell time in store and on site. Uh, and a lot of these clients have, you know, massive customer databases with really sophisticated data assets and it's first-party data. So not only can they market their own initiatives through those channels, but many of their partners and suppliers want to get in on the, in on the action. So particularly through Medium Rare, has been doing this for a long time. It's not just about creating amazing, engaging content but we're helping those clients also monetize uh, their assets uh, right across the board, anywhere from, you know, in-store, online, through socials, you know, anywhere they, they touch the customer. And the most sort of, you know, stark example of that, uh, and we go back in time to old media of, of, of magazines, magazines for the big retailers or big travel partners, even now, as you mentioned before, Paul, in finance, is the beginning of a, creating a content ecosystem which goes out across all of their channels and you know their partners can come in on, on the back of that and you immediately see incremental sales um, that can be quantified through their sales data. So it's a really powerful story 
for the brands that we work with in their own channels, but also for the partners coming into that environment. And they're investing more, Mike. You're seeing, you know, in the last 12 months, 18 months, th- there is some budget switch going on here where the blue chips at least are saying there's something in this and we're going to put more into it. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a nice scenario for these big, particularly the retail clients that we work with, such as, you know, Coles, Bunnings, Officeworks, David Jones, Chemist Warehouse, where they're creating this channel, they're serving up really useful, engaged audience with utility content that's making, you know, their lives easier and, and, and their customers are demanding that content. And so the efforts that we're doing for these clients are only getting bigger. The Coles magazine is, is now massive. You know, the Coles and Woolies product in those magazines, which again, as I said, it, it expands well beyond just the print product. But those print products are the biggest magazines in the history of Australian publishing, and that's yeah, today. Right. That's that's well, today. Two hundred page books or something, I think, in some cases. Or am I am I exaggerating that? Um, Maybe a hundred more. More, more than 200. More, so that's massive, more, right? So there more. you go. Right. The, I mean, the, the, re- the readership of these things is topping out you know, at the moment and, and growing at 5 million, 5 million people. See, that's crazy. And that's a, that's yeah. a printed magazine. Correct, correct. That's but it goes, it goes, all, of, all of that content obviously is the base for everything else that follows. Um, it's not just the printed product. It, it allows anything in digital and across socials, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, there's a huge appetite for it. And as I said, it's so nicely targeted and the, the clients are clearly seeing the results because they keep coming back for more. And inside, say, Coles Magazine, there is lots of partner or supplier ads as well, right? This is part of the, the own media asset in a retail context, and we'll get past retail and media in, in a sec, but that's where Coles is getting its trade suppliers coming in there and taking ads in the book. Yeah, correct. And, um, you know, and it's, again, as I said, it's, it's people picking that magazine up in store. It's a piece of great content. You know, they're using it and they can see through the scan data at Coles that people not only um, take that magazine home, they shop it. They shop the recipes that are in that, in that magazine right down to the, the finite detail of, the, um, of those recipes. So they see that. And then, you know, you've got a – here's a completely different one. So Qantas. Um, which is one of the one of two airlines in the world that continued to publish during the pandemic. The environment that they have there, not just with the magazine, but their frequent flyer base, that's a that's a highly desirable um, target market that is hard to get to for a lot of brands. And you know that magazine goes from strength to strength. And again, all of that content goes out online and further to the frequent flyer base. And then slice and dice, you know, because of the, the data that they have at, at, at Qantas on on their customers, you know, it's very powerful and very targeted. And you know, we're getting to that, you know, the great promised land of, of, of personalized content going out to these to the base. And so, Mike, what's the the macro picture here and the drivers for this? investment that's going this bigger investment that's going in at least what you're seeing uh, amongst your clients into owned assets there's some good business case for it is that is that essentially what it's what it's down to they've seen good results yeah look i think um look there's a real desire for for brands to be able to serve up that youtube what we call utility content or service journalism because their customers are demanding it right they they want information and they want it from a trusted source and then being able to monetize that for the brands, it becomes a self-fulfilling 
you know, channel for them where it's not actually costing them a lot of money and they can reinvest the money that they get back through that channel into their own marketing efforts. So that's what it's, it's creating a flywheel of, of the content creates a flywheel with the, with the advertising dollars that come into that. They see the results, you know, from their partners and the partners keep coming back and that gives those brands an opportunity to not only serve up some really amazing content, a really engaged audience who actually lean into it and, and not only accept it, but expect to see the content now. And they're getting a return on in their, their investment like they've never seen before. Angus, just on that, you got some thoughts? Yeah, look, I think everything that Mike has just said there is a really great illustration of what we refer to as essentially the triple win. And this is, I guess, the secret code to creating really valuable, really strong, sustainable owned media assets. And that triple win is basically creating content uh, that will engage your customers and improves the customer experience. It's about being able to uh, help your partner brands grow. So all well and good for your business to grow, but you want your partners to be able to grow as well through the creation of these owned media assets. And then the third thing is about being able to monetize really highly profitable revenue. And the reality is, if you want to succeed in this game, you need all three. So you have to have it in that order. So customer, partner, and then your own you know, profitable revenue as well. But that's the triple win that we refer to with our clients as well. Jonathan and Angus, really, what, what are the standout developments and emerging trends uh, with the numbers this year on what you've seen uh, on the last 12 months? There's a little bit of movement. Yeah, a bit of a tipping point this year, Paul, um, in the owned media sector as the conversation transitioned away from focusing exclusively on the grocery and liquor sector to broadening out to include department stores, banks, and pure play digital businesses. We see the retail aggregator sector as the largest continues to grow as new entrants unlock their existing retail media assets. And also a few kind of medium-sized new retailers are entering the market. So the retail, retail aggregators are people like, yes, yeah, sorry, Jonathan, go, yeah. Yeah, so like your department stores, your home electronics, your sport and leisure, beauty, pet care and pharmacies. Those are what we label retail aggregators. They represent a, a third of the $4.3 billion market. That's the yeah. largest, right? Yes, they're the largest, followed by grocery and liquor, who have a smaller number of player, but you know, a bigger, bigger prize. Finance, like you mentioned, is the highest growing sector, so increasing 19% year on year. And we believe that's because financial institutions are realizing the significant value of their vast customer bases and the media ecosystems that support those customer bases. So we've seen ANZ reorganize their entire marketing department around own channels and also CBA become a publisher, um, which I'm sure is the tip of the iceberg. Amex in the credit card category continue to be the market leader when it comes to supporting partner offers to the customer base. The other big mover is Amazon. Um, I know we can't we can't talk about own media without talking about Amazon. Um, yeah, their growth has been remarkable I, year on year. I'm not really surprised by it, right? Amazon's <laughs> still powering, right, Jonathan? Yes. Yeah, sixty three percent year on year growth for Amazon ads, but just leapfrogging to the number one in the retail aggregator sector. David Jones is the other big mover, took the market by storm earlier um, this year, launching Amplify, which is Australia's first luxury retail media business. And interestingly, they're opening their doors to non-endemic brands 
which means those that they don't sell. So the likes of travel and motoring sectors. And then in the loyalty space, we also saw Cash Rewards launch a media offering called Circuit. So a lot of different players getting involved in the game. And contrary to a lot of the retail media press reports, owned media is a very much an omni-channel opportunity. So channels like in-store, custom magazines, apps, social, emails, catalogs are all pivotal when formulating owned media strategies. It's not just about auctioning off some sponsored search and thinking you've ticked the owned media leverage box. So we're seeing increased pressure on marketing budgets to deliver an ROI. And in that environment, owned channels are going to become increasingly popular amongst marketers, primarily due to that first-party data capability, which enables, um, like Mike was saying, better targeting, better conversion, and better reporting at the other end. So it's a compelling offering. So just on those own channels that you touched on, Jonathan, what are the power channels, the hierarchy of, of most effective or what brands are seeing as the most effective? Yeah, like any, anything, it, it does depend. Email is consistently valuable. If a store has a, a bricks and mortar footprint, their store is incredibly valuable. Point, you know, it's right at the point of sale. Lots of digital opportunities coming in, multiple different formats. Anything that's really close to the point of purchase is going to attract you know, a high premium when it comes to valuing. Mike, can I just drop across to you? Because I think you, you, mean, you, you monetize some of these channels for brands, but I think you mentioned you know, the David Jones example of a window being yeah. going to what's happening yeah, there. John, and Jonathan just referenced that. You know, the windows of David Jones are uh, you know, high street, high profile and highly valuable you know, customers walking past there. And so out of category opportunities for someone like David Jones through travel, through auto, are there in life. The beauty of what we've got going is that, you know, we're, we're from a media heritage, right? So we're on the content side and we're on the sales side. So we, we understand both of those things. So we can close the loop for clients and basically do all of the heavy lifting. Um, the Sonder, what the Sonder guys are doing is, is, is helping those clients actually, you know, price up what their assets might be worth. But it's also a real opportunity to, to get creative with the owned assets. You know, we, we did something with Jetstar. So we worked with Qantas, we worked with Jetstar, we worked with CBA, we worked with DJs and, and, and Bunnings and Chemist Warehouse, et cetera. You know, for Jetstar last year, um, Disney bought a plane and wrapped it in the launch of Buzz Lightyear, I think it was. Uh, and those planes that were going in and out of um, the airport, and it, it, that's a piece of content, um, which is we've just monetized an asset for Jetstar, right? So there's opportunities like that, and that's an experience. And the other thing that we do do for the likes of Qantas is we run thought leadership program for them, uh, the Think program that we it's self-funded. Again, it's going to their base. It's offering their base a, an amazing opportunity to be in an amazing room with thought leaders and, and being deep in content that, that is valuable to them and their careers or, or, or their lifestyle. And that, again, is self-funded. So it's, it, there's so many different ways to think about your own channels. The beauty of you know, what we are doing for these clients is that we're not only creating that content for them and curating that content for them, but we're monetizing it. So for them, there's very little to do except sit back and 
either collect the dividend Joy. or, yes. <laughs> or uh, have some very happy customers and suppliers. Yeah, so look, we do it all. It's, a, it's an end-to-end. Some clients have their own sales operation, but we do work with a lot of clients uh, in helping them monetize. But I mean, the last one I'll talk about quickly is you, you look at Chemist Warehouse. I mean, they're not just the biggest pharmacy retailer in the country. They are a media conglomerate all on their own. You know, we, we do their house of wellness program for them, but they're on TV, radio, obviously digital, um, in their printed products. They've created a media business of their own. Uh, mm. So, you know, there's, a, there's great opportunities out there for all sorts of, of brands and particularly obviously in retail, but we're seeing more and more brands think about what kind of assets they have, their data sets, their loyalty clubs and different ways of serving up content to them, which is useful to people, which people engage with and ultimately drives um, loyalty and a sale. So, Angus, this is all cascading up to some sort of really live now implications for marketing and media budgets in the current economic environment. What are you seeing? I think you've had some interesting calls of late. Yeah. So, literally just this week, we had one of our software clients who's been using our media management platform to value owned media campaigns in, in quite a defined, limited way. They asked us to actually deploy the software to a much broader user base across their organization to include brand marketers, category marketers, product marketers, because they're looking at the next 12 to 18 months and they're seeing their above the line budgets becoming under pressure. So for them, they want to be able to leverage the value of the owned media they've got access to within their own ecosystem. And this is this is something where we're sort of seeing a lot actually with businesses. They are waking up to their reliance on paid media. And, you know, I don't I don't want to make it sound like we're anti-paid media we're not at all but we are anti-squandering what you've got and Mm. so for us it's all about starting from the inside out Uh, we've developed a whole model built around you know using your owned media first and foremost to ensure uh, the most efficient marcoms that you can take to market by leveraging the value within your ecosystem first and foremost but also, I think um, making sure that owned media is not just you know a, a sort of afterthought that you're really considering the uh, environments, the content that you're bringing, um, so that when you do go out to market and you do invest in paid media, when these customers and, and the audiences come to your owned assets, the experience they will have is going to be far better. So it, it works on so many levels to, to really focus in on that owned media component first and foremost. And, you know, I think we, we're seeing a lot of businesses doing this. We'll see more, I think, getting more active around this area. I think, Paul, we had a um, podcast with Sweeter not long ago who was talking to how ANZ were essentially restructuring their marketing team um, mm. to ensure that they're getting maximum leverage from their owned media. How common is that, Angus? That that you know that was a quite a significant you know uh, structure around owned media at ANZ. Is that rare? That sounded like I'm a New Zealander, by the way. Is that rare? <laughs> is that rare? Yes, I think it is for now. But I certainly think um, there's going to be a lot more heat around this coming up because businesses they you know they're going to have to get smarter, and as budgets come under more and more pressure. They're going to be looking at what they have available to them within their own ecosystems to be more efficient. The owned media assets, though, that the audiences or the customers that are there in those assets are essentially already a customer. So what about 
acquiring new customers. So there's, there is a role for owned in, I guess, creating more stickiness and repeat purchase and, and repeat visits to your existing customer database or customers. But what do you do about new customers? Is that where, can owned media do both? It's always been a bit of a bugbear in mind when people get over, overly um, fascinated by their own data and their own customers because selling to yourselves does not, as you say, bring in new customers. And I think I said to you once, Paul, that um, customers don't love data, they don't eat data, they don't live off data, they, you know, they love brands and they buy brands. I think the beauty of us and uh, us allowing the brands to create some value out of their own channels actually allows them, as I said before, to reinvest in the brand outside their own channels. And we see that with so many of our clients that we work for, that they take the, 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 the funds that they're earning from their own channels and reinvest in the brand outside to bring new customers in because it's absolutely essential to keep filling the top of the funnel. And we've got you know vast examples of that. My other side of my business here at News, we are the con- we're, we're, we're a content business and we work with clients in their own channels, but we also help those clients in our channels with that content. And it's an incredibly important part of their marketing efforts to keep on filling up that, that funnel with new customers. There's no doubt about that. But their own channels you know, allow them some flexibility. And as the, as the boys just said, there's a lot of pressure on budgets at the moment. There's a lot of pressure on everybody's budgets at the moment. So having their own media assets firing for them allows them to actually keep marketing outside their own channels. Angus and Jonathan, is that sort of is that consistent with what you're seeing in the market too? Yeah, it is. And it it's effectively the owned first model is all about creating amazing content that works for your customers because that's who you've got to serve first and foremost and they're the ones who love your brand and, know, and you know them intimately. So creating content that works for them is by default going to attract people like them who aren't yet a customer. So the model that Mike's uh, just described is, is absolutely what we would um, recommend, which is to create that content, serve it through your own channels, and then judge what works and then put that through earned media and paid media to attract more customers. The other thing I'd say around all this is we've seen own channels grow and evolve and work from an acquisition perspective um, as well as a retention perspective. So if you think about banks or retailers who have um, digital screens which were outward facing from their stores or their branches in every high street in, in Australia, why would you be investing in paid me- outdoor media in those um, locations when you already have your own that can do a, an acquisition job as well? So that's one example. And that well, actually is working, right? So you've seen live examples of that, yes, Jonathan, or, or yeah, real examples? Yeah, multiple examples of that. When, when the penny drops and when people have a value on their digital outward-facing digital screens, they, they realize that they can be planned along with their paid media and in tandem with that. The and it's working at a, on a customer acquisition basis, though, yeah? So people are walking yes. past and going, I, I see something from you know a bank or whatever, and I'm coming in. Yes, absolutely, customer acquisition. Mm. And also cross-selling. So in a digital realm, you can send emails, messages, tiles on apps and websites through your own channels and into off-site using your, your own data to cross-sell to a large proportion of your 
customer base who's not engaged in some of your product suites. So the opportunity for cross-sell is also immense. And as we've seen in our research, it's a lot easier to keep a customer than try and acquire one. To further Jonathan's point, I think what it does and the, you know, the importance around owned media, it really does shine a light on that whole transmedia approach that used to happen a lot whereby you would develop a piece of creative that would run within the paid media um, world. And that same creative would just get dropped all the way through all of your owned media assets. And I think what we're, I think, recognizing now and what marketers are recognizing now is that that's a really inefficient way to utilize owned media because it it shouldn't be just treated like any other old paid media channel. It should be treated differently and it should be used strategically and with thought and care. Um, And what we found is that when you do put a dollar value around these media assets, people take it more seriously because they understand the full value that they have within their ecosystem. It's on that. I think um, maybe it was Mike talking about, you know, you got, a, you got something from American Express in the recent week, which you, you suddenly discovered, oh, there's a, whole, there's a whole new world there that you sort of hadn't seen. Just talk us through that, Mike. Well, I, um, wouldn't, I wouldn't say suddenly discovered, Paul. I just, I <laughs> sorry, just, yeah. are you looking rem- at your Amex statement quite regularly? Yes. I was reminded because I was asked by somebody to see whether we could get some um, tickets to a concert and I right. had a look um, to see whether that was available through the, the Amex loyalty club. So not only so Amex How was the Wiggles, Mike? It was um it was good. I like the I like the new yellow wiggle. The um <laughs> the Amex has got obviously an incredible base of customers, you know, a, a, an amazing demo and they've got a great loyalty rewards program and people build up points. And so forever in a day, um, Amex have been offering things up for people to burn their points on. But what uh, and a development, and I think the Sonder guys have probably worked with Amex on that, and we certainly work with Amex in, in multiple channels, is that they've added another layer to that where partners can come in and make an offer. And it's not for points. It's just add this to your card and you'll get 10% discount or a, you know, a special experience just for being a customer. And so Amex are monetizing that as a channel. The brands are obviously lining up for it because they get the transaction at the other end and Amex get right in the middle of the transaction because someone's using the card at point of purchase. So it's mm. just this perfect sort of you know scenario for someone like Amex. I think just the other anecdote on that, and I was just looking at some figures for Bunnings, who we work with, and they're, they're relatively new to the owned channel. I've worked with Bunnings for many, many years, and they used to be a completely clean store environment, but they've changed and seen obviously the power of that, but probably also driven by their customers who are desperate for information and for if they're doing home improvement or they're doing their gardening or they're trying to look after their pet, they need information and they need that utility content served up to them. But we've seen in products that advertise across all the categories, right, have seen significant sales uplift to the point where in paint accessories that advertise through those channels, they saw a 1,000% uplift in sales, right? So Mm. it's educational. It's that utility. It's putting something in somebody's hands and go, how do I use this? What do I use it for? How do I do it? And Bunnings is a classic environment to do that in, right? Mm. And so, mm. and and it's an additive experience for everybody. Everyone's like, everyone really appreciates it. It's like that, that's fantastic content. I've learned something. I've got a new skill. 
uh, and it's a win-win for everybody. To the Sonder guys, so I think, you know, Mike's reference around American Express, I think um, you've done a lot of work with, with, with Amex. Is this the sort of stuff that you're actually talking about here where that sort of arrangement that Mike discovered as an Amex uh, cardholder where there's a whole bunch of partners making offers, that's, is that a paid media, owned media experience there from Amex, Jonathan or Angus? Yes, we've worked with Amex over six years in about 15 different countries and their their offers program is you know leading the market in in loyalty and offers and to answer your question they they represent the media support that they give to those offer brand partners as value as part of the commercial terms but then they're generally not charging cash money for that so it's okay part of the overall commercials but the, but the value to it, that the difference is the value that, that asset, yeah, yeah? Yeah, and the shift that we've seen is that they now, since we did the valuation work, they now lead the conversation with the value of the media support. Because if you think about it, if, if they do a, an offer exclusively with Amex customers, the brand is getting support through their channels free of charge. If they wanted to run uh, an offer in the open market, they would have to buy paid media. Um, and it wouldn't be targeted to their prospects or their customers, um, and it would cost them a lot more than nothing. So um, it's mm. quite a compelling offer that they've got going. Yes, and this is the sort of the sophistication you're talking about and how uh, brands start to work through their owned assets. I'm, I'm starting to get it myself, um, Jonathan. Well done. <laughs> so listen, a couple of quick questions because we're running out of time. First up, a quick one from response from all of you on talent. So if this whole area is growing and people are piling in both on the brand side and, you know, from both Sonder and, and News Corp side, where's the talent coming from? What sort of capability is are, are needed to make these sort of uh, initiatives work? We're seeing a migration from paid media sales people into retail media sales. I think some people are recognizing that it's a big growth area. And their skill set is well sought after because that skill set didn't uh, exist before in these in these organizations. And in addition to that, it also requires experienced stakeholder managers. So mm. internally, people who are in enablers within the organization are being redeployed because they can connect the dots because owned owned channels touch so many different departments, you know, merchandise category managers, product managers, e-commerce, marketing, sales, then you need enablers within the organization to connect those dots. The big shift we're seeing is that businesses are now getting more serious about it. They're wanting to be more professional around how they represent their own media and how they manage it. So what it's forcing them to do is to really take a, a good close look at their people process and structure. So that means we're getting, to Jonathan's point, more people coming in from a media sales perspective um, to bring that level of professionalism to the area where it's being sold and monetized. But also data and tech is critical from a process and structure perspective. And you know, entire organizations are having to reorient themselves around it because the reality yeah. of owned media is that it touches so many different departments within a business, so many different individuals, lots of stakeholders. There's a big change management component to it when businesses want to really you know, get behind this area and take it seriously. So it's, it's, it's causing a lot of change in the space, mm. not just with, with the people side of things. Um, Mike, in terms for you, you've got journos that are sort of doing things yeah, as well, I, right? I think um, we've sort of got the best of both worlds, right? So we're, we're completely end-to-end. -end. So some clients um, we take 
all the hassle out of um, their own media channels because not only will we create the content, but we will sell those channels for them. So when you talk about talent, we, yes, we've absolutely got a very strong journalistic spine through our business um, because it's longer form content. But equally, um, that content needs to go into all sorts of different areas. So we have taken people out of the creative agencies, out of the social agencies, and our sales force, uh, largely, obviously, from media sales um, because that's what they're doing. But the beauty of those agencies, and you know, this, is, this is something I have said before in a previous life, is that we have a vast array of clients. We're not just working in retail. We're not just working in finance. We're not just travel. We're not just membership mag, um, membership operations. We've got we offer an amazing canvas of different opportunities for both those journos, for the creatives, for the production people, and for the salespeople to get out there and talk to different clients. And, in, and indeed, the sales guys can really look across the the different assets that we have, and also lean back into news to take that content even further. When you think about clients that are coming into a, an environment around a David Jones, an Australian Institute of Company Directors, a CBA, a Qantas, they're often the same kind of clients that are looking for that same kind of um, audience, right? So we've got a pretty powerful um, sales operation across those businesses and a very, very strong, as I said, spine of editorial talent, which is second to none. And Medium Rare in particular consistently wins all the awards for that content that they pump out. And all those three agencies are just, you know, they're proper big businesses now uh, and really growing strongly. So we're going to wrap this up with one final question for all of you, really, which is the the key watchouts, takeouts for the next 12 months. Obviously, this this whole area is growing, but what are the sort of the core things that brand side, uh, brand marketers um, need to be um, thinking about? Um, Angus, you first. So, I mean, I think, you know, I think we all recognize marketers have a, a huge amount on their plates right now, but ultimately they need to be taking responsibility for owned media ecosystems. In most cases, they are the ones who are going to be responsible for customer connections and they understand the importance of media. So in most cases, we'll fall to the marketer to really, I think, bring to the fore the, the power of owned media. I think we're also seeing a lot of businesses being tempted by some fairly significant financial returns around monetizing owned media. What we're seeing is that organizations need just need to be a little bit cautious um, that they're not trying to run before they can walk or even crawl because when you do that, you can start to damage relationships rather than improve on relationships um, mm-hmm. with existing vendors and that kind of thing. So you don't want to be taking any you know, um, missteps when you first go out to market. If you're going out too soon, you, know, you need to have the right people, the right process, right structures in place so that you, you know, you're set up for success. Mike, final um, sort of watch outs for you for, next, look, for the next look, 12 months? I, I would say that these channels are proving to be um, very, very powerful. But with that comes uh, some caution because the research that we've done certainly and our evidence is if the content is not good, in fact, great, you risk what Angus was just saying there, some damage to your own brand and your own environment. You can, you, you, these are really powerful data sets. They're your customers. So make sure that the content that you do serve up through there has some utility to it. There's an exchange of value 
they'll appreciate it. They'll love you more, and your your suppliers or your advertisers in that environment um, will benefit from that. But um, make it good. Make it good. Make it great. Yeah, Mike. I'm you know in about don't know how long, but um, it looks like I may be coming to a job for you, uh, given that all the journo's are going to sort of uh, owned media content. There may be a life for the old boy left. Uh, Jonathan, your final thoughts and watch outs on on this one. Yeah, my final thoughts, uh, the future has never been brighter for the owned media sector. The critical question for a business to think about is, um, what do you want to achieve? And then it's up to the owned media community to provide them with the advice, tools and solutions on how best to get there. So I think the onus is on the community to deliver what those media owners want to achieve, but there's vast opportunity and if you want to download our free annual report, head to sondermedia.com. Whoa, there you go. Well, there's a, there's a plug. One final question for you, Jonathan. It's $4.3 billion in potential commercial value now. How long do you think before we get to $5 billion for owned media? Is it a couple of years uh, away? The way things are going, um, yeah, within, within one to three years. Five billion. There we go. Well, Jonathan Hopkins, Angus Fraser, Mike Conahan, really good update on on what the hell's going on with owned media. And it's to all of your points, it's bigger than what many think. Um, thanks for joining. Thanks, Thank Paul. you. This MI3 audio edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's more. Producer Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to listener.com or download the listener app and search MI3 audio edition to listen for free. Listener.